Hey everyone and welcome to the episode 13 of the e-learning guys. My name is Nate Jorga Dulmin and I'm joined by Mr. David Charney. Hello, hello everyone. Hello sir, how are you? Very good, how are you doing today? A bit busy but uh, we're, we have a different recording time today so you, it's early for you and it's middle of the day for me so I'm, I, I'm better than usual when we record in the evening. Yep, yeah, that's true. Although it is a Friday when we're recording, so that's that's kind of nice. Yeah, that's also nice. Yeah, although it's what it's it's the third, so I have two days to edit this. So there is some uh, <laughs> <laughs> drama. Um, okay, today's today's uh, topic is localization and translation of a course. But first, we have some follow up. We had a listener question. Uh, it was, do you have any recommendations for healthcare learning management systems other than HealthStream, Saba, and Neat Learning? The, the short version is no. <laughs> we, we spoke about this with Dave. Um, but uh, I, 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 I'm familiar with Saba, but um, I never, it was, one of my clients uses it, but uh, it was never brought to my attention that this is in any way healthcare based and, uh, my feeling is that a lot of the LMSs would fit uh, healthcare business just fine. I think it comes down to the, you know, maybe individual functionalities. Um, but otherwise, it each LMS should more or less cover all the the different areas. Uh, Dave, any anything to add? I pretty much covered it. Yeah, I'd, I'd say just start with a with a good kind of. Uh a good LMS map, you know, draw out the way you want to use the thing and how you want people to, users to navigate through it and how you want the administration, administrators to work their way through it and then hand that off to these, as many LMS uh, companies as, as you want and see if they can uh, make sure that their LMS covers the, the experience that you want. Uh, you know, mm-hmm. we've done a lot with uh, hospitals and various things and some of them run several learning management systems, uh, and they're all configured differently because they all have different approaches to things. Yeah, yeah. And if maybe one of the listeners has any uh, any suggestions, we are very uh, happy to to listen to any ideas that are that are out there, and uh, we would share it in the next episode. Let's continue to X days in review. Let me go first. I was working on a short interaction, and Dave, you saw it, that um, is meant for children that so they can uh, maybe spell their name, try to spell different words. And the idea is that on the first slide, you have a keyboard, on-screen keyboard, custom keyboard, uh, which I developed in Storyline, and the parent or whoever would type the word. And on the next screen, you have a shuffled drag and drop of all the letters and you have to drag them and uh, drop them on each letter. Uh, And I almost finished it. Uh, Dave, you saw it. Mm -hmm. Um, And on the first slide, uh, it was quite easy. I assigned each, 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 um, each click of the keyboard was one variable. So variable one, two, three, four, five, I came up to eight letters. Uh, there's also possibility to go go um, use the backspace and delete the letters. Then I just, you know, create, I make those variables blank. And that, that turned out great. The, I think the, the keyboard works fantastically good. Um, however, when you go to the next slide, uh, the randomization works fine. I used some freeform hacking. And I just use the objects, uh, you know, empty text boxes with a variable in there. So whatever the variables was on the first slide, this is the same variable I just display here. So I don't even have states. I just use a variable and, you know, it populates with whatever letter was selected. Uh, however, I, I wanted this interaction to be, you know, sort of bulletproof for, for kids. And my ideal scenario was that once they drop the correct 
object becomes disabled so they can't move it anymore and then they would just drop all the other objects until everything is correct and once all the objects are correct or disabled you know technically i know then to display uh, the yeah correct feedback they want a new word or they want to uh, repeat this word again and it almost works <laughs> as i explained it the problem is that um, once the letter becomes disabled another letter can be dropped on that drop target which means my disabled state object jumps back you know to the to the source origin location and because <laughs> it's a disabled object you cannot move it anymore which is bad because <laughs> then you're stuck you know with the cor correct state down there and you cannot move it anymore uh which was bad so i was trying to come up with a way to disable the user to to drop on a already dropped already correctly dropped target and whatever i tried you know i tried to put objects in between and something like that or even make the drop target the drop object hidden or disabled but nothing worked even even if it's hidden you can drop it which is I think that's a bug in Strolling because that should not happen. If the object is hidden, you cannot drop something on it, but I could. Um, so I consulted my good friend Dave here, and he had a neat idea that maybe instead of putting something in between, I just move the object away with a you know quick motion path. Uh, and that actually worked. So I just tried it with one letter, and yeah, I could not drop the second letter on the drop target so yay thank you for the suggestion uh i just need about 100 new triggers now and it <laughs> will all work fantastically like i said when i mentioned it originally it is not a pretty <laughs> approach at all but if but if it's the only if it's the only approach then that's the best approach <laughs> Yeah, I think I think your exact words were, "I have a suggestion, but it's stupid." <laughs> <laughs> I think yeah, I think that is what I said. But it's smart also, so yeah. Um, so that's that's what I have going for me now. Uh, but uh, I I quite like the the result. Uh, my four year old was playing with it, and then he said, "Oh, write that." Then and then it was my name and my wife's name and our uh, you know grandparents' <laughs> name. Very cool. And yeah, and then he drag and dropped it. Yeah, and it looked looked like fun. So I'll I'll release it to the in the wild when when everything works, so wild. people can play around. All right, so yeah, that was my uh, adventure. And you, what were you working on, or someone else? I, I was not working on a, a whole lot. I, it, well, at least I had other things to do. I was working, but um, yeah, Laura, who works with me at Illumin, uh, she created this awesome United States bucket list in Storyline. So basically, you see all fifty states and Washington D.C. And it, it, you know, in, in the U.S., it's like it's so big. It's like a lot of people want to go to a different state and visit those states. So it's like you can click on whatever state you haven't been to, but you want to go to. And um, as you click each state, uh, at the bottom, there's a little kind of adds up how many states you want to visit and mm. how many states are in different regions like the West, the Midwest, the South, Northeast. Yeah. So and it's very nice. It's a very clean, well done project. But on the way, there was a bit of a, uh, uh, it, it was more complicated than than I thought when she first talked to myself and uh, Joe, who works at Illumin, um, we certainly ran into some hurdles. I'm interested in in that scenario, if you could click on each state um, of the United States, what might be some hurdles you might think of in Storyline? I'm, I'm not sure. I cannot think of anything horrible that would happen. <laughs> I, well, I guess you would you would change the state of the state once it's clicked. Yep, uh, you do want to... Yep, you want it to be obvious which states you clicked on. And so yeah. what she was running into is that she she told this idea to, to Joe and I, and we were, you know, being storyline people. It was like, uh, yeah, no, no problem, no problem. But the, the problem yeah, of is, 
these states are very detailed. Obviously, there are all these different shapes and everything. They all have to be really close together. Oh, and I think I know what it is. Yeah, so... It, it's hard to click once you're on the border, right? It's... To, so how do you get all the states into Storyline, you know? Um, you can't really import vectors like no. you might want to. Um, can, I, can I guess? Yeah, absolutely. Well, I would use PNGs because of the transparency. Transparency. The problem is there's bounding boxes that get put on that. So even in the empty area. So it makes it difficult. I thought, it, I thought the transparent area is not clickable. That's what I thought. <laughs> but uh, okay. no, I tried, tried several times. And yeah, there's a bounding box around everything. Tried to import vectors and when they got converted bounding box bounding box um okay one it, more one more guess yeah uh, sure well just import the, the you know a high quality whatever jpeg or png doesn't matter of the of the whole united states and then you just use the hot spot that you draw on the border exactly around the state that's yeah and so what she had to do was draw around every state she basically imported yeah. a map yeah. Drew around every state. A lot more work than I think people would maybe want to do. Um, yeah, yeah. Uh, I mean, certainly if you want it, if that's the outcome you want, that's what you need to do to get it done. But it would be wonderful if you could just import a bunch of vector shapes and they stay vector and stay nice and clean. Yeah. Um, but the final project works great. I mean, even the tiny little states up in the in New England area... Um, you can still hover over them, click on them. It's very clean. It works very well. So I'm, I'm amazed by the outcome. Nice. You'll have to show me that if it's not super secret. Yeah, no, absolutely. Yeah, I, I have run into that also sometimes. So yeah, hotspots were usually the solution or even uh, a hand, mouse, hand slash mouse drawn object that you do in Storyline, you know. Mm-hmm. It was always an approach, but just... <laughs> You don't want to start there because you have to draw around every single state, every little bit yeah. that, you, I mean, to get to the detail that you want to get. And mm. and she wanted it very detailed and spent a lot of time on it. And it looks very, uh, very well done. Nice. All right. And then I'm guessing that, I don't know, one, once the state changes, you add a one and then you change the state of the progress bar at the bottom or something. Yes, yeah. I actually, she took care of that. I am not 100% sure how she did that, but I'm guessing something like that, yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's probably a variable in between there or there and the bottom part. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I'm sure she's adding it up to each region, and I don't know if she adds it all up or adds up the regions, but yep, a little bit of math mm -hmm. here and there. Nice. Okay, I think we can continue to our main topic. Localization or translation, sort of, uh, of, of a course that you might have. And um, let me give you the war word now, uh, Mr. Dave, because I have, I'll cover the second part. Yeah, you've been working on this project you've been mentioning, and it's, it certainly has a big localization, translation aspect of it. So you're going to have some great information as far as the, the hurdles you went, went through. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, localization is basically the process of adapting a course into another language. And there's a lot of things to consider. I think a lot of people think about certainly translating the words into another language. Yeah. But there's also, there's culture, there's, you know, jokes you might have, uh, scenarios may not carry the same weight from one language to another. Yeah. Um, you know, even me saying carry the same weight might not carry over. People might not know what that means. Um, imagery, illustrations, design, even your navigation, you know, some, some people are used to reading, you know, right to left, you know, uh, it's yeah. very different depending on where you're at. Um, symbols and colors and signs and all these things need to be considered. At least they need to be considered to the amount that they need to be considered. You know, every situation is different. So, um, but the more you can think about those things, um, and sometimes if you've got a counterpart that you're working with, uh, it's very good to ask them 
um, what might make the most sense. And so there's a lot of kind of common steps in localization. Uh, you want to understand exactly what language you're going to translate this to, you know, Spanish, French, for instance. Those are kind of two top ones, you know, depending on where you're at, you're going to, they're going to have to be different. Um, in fact, you might have two Spanish translations in one course. Um, and you need to get that material translated. So how do you go about doing that? Um, you know, you might go to something like Google Translate and (laughs) (laughs) that might get it done, but might not help in the education of anyone. Um, might be good for some laughs, but, um, you also want to check the cultural issues in text and graphics. As I was saying, um, common abbreviations, shorthand often people are familiar with in their language mm-hmm. and you might translate it and it it doesn't quite sound right um there's also like even like ui stuff like i'm sure yes. you've translated yeah. things into for instance like maybe german or something and your little title gets very long um yes. and but knowing some of those abbreviations or working with someone that might be able to say oh no that's that's kind of the normal word, but if you use this word, it, it means the same thing, and it, it, that can fit. So there's a lot of things you have to to do, um, and then of course getting audio recorded, for instance, um, actually populating the course. Of course, if you've got all this translated text from someone, and you've got translated audio, and then you're in something like Storyline or Captivate or Lectura or whatever you're in, if you can't speak the language, it might be difficult to kind of align everything and know if you're right or wrong. And that actually gets into the quality assurance. You know, how do you verify that you've done this right? Um, So there's a lot of just kind of steps in in the process. It's it's often a bigger thing than I think people that are maybe kind of new to it uh, maybe recognize. and I was saying, as I was saying, there, there's a number of ways to actually get that stuff translated, like Google Translate, like I mentioned, or a number of other ways out there. And I don't really recommend that, but I know that happens. Um, off, oftentimes, I guess probably the two biggest things for us is we would work with a professional translator or translation company, mm-hmm. or our, our customers, our clients might have a counterpart who uh, either handles that for them or... Sometimes some of these companies even have a group internally that hand, handles the translation. But what's nice, what's nice about the um, the professional groups is that you know their their purpose is to make sure that all those steps that I had mentioned can be carried through. You know, they can translate, they can record audio, they can check the car- cultural issues. Um, a, a lot of them can even help. They have storyline experience, for instance, and can populate stuff. And they can do the QA process. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, a professional can be well worth it, um, depending on the project. Oh yeah, yeah, because you you don't want to be doing that with all the different uh, you know words and, and hidden elements and I don't know what. So, yeah, a person with a good knowledge of the language and maybe, like you said, if they even know storyline that you've hit a jackpot. Yeah, yeah. And well, and software, of course, too. Uh, we're talking about Storyline. Any pro, well, I shouldn't say any program. A lot of programs have ways to output a file of text that you can then kind of translate it and put it back in. And that is good for t- to a point, but then you have to consider, you know, all those other things. Um, and as you'll talk about, there's, you know, file size things and there's, um, how do you, you know, does the LMS, do you want to split it into two courses or two modules for each yeah. language or have it all in one? So there's a lot of kind of structural structural things you need to consider as well. And, um, and, and that said, um, from that high level, uh, maybe you can talk a little bit about your project in a little bit more detail. Yeah, yeah. I will mainly focus on, you know, the storyline bits and how... I slash we achieved it, so everything plays nicely. Uh, so it was 12 languages, and I, I won't keep repeating that it's 12. It's just, you know, <laughs> all the versions. <laughs> um, How many but, versions? Uh, 13. Um, 
but yeah mm. so we had 12 languages and the the course had to be all in one storyline so all in one project i and as you mentioned before it i think this really depends on your lms because even even in my lms which is quite advanced i cannot you know you know when you have a course you cannot create inside of a course language versions basically you say the course is in this and this language so approach like this you know can really help you that you only have one course in the in the lms and you just send it to all your students that are all around the world and everyone can access it in in their own own language so uh if you you know if you don't want to bother with lms or maybe lms does not support the uh, many la- many versions of a course then this is a good way to go okay so yeah we had one storyline and dave please stop me and ask if something's not clear you betcha yeah so we had just you know one intro slide where you select the language and then you know it branches into all of these scenes for each language and at the end you have just one quiz so all of the branches all of the scenes then again jump to the same um, quiz bank yeah because <clears throat> sometimes we had sometimes a quiz bank sometimes not depends if they wanted to shuffle or not well it can be quiz bank anyway but Mm-hmm. Usually I put it in a bank uh, only if they wanted to shuffle the shuffle cuz I think it's more, you know, easier to work work with in storyline. Uh so that's the main structure. And then uh let me just talk about the higher levels first and then I go to the slide. And then what else did we have, you know, that was accessible from from everywhere. Uh we had a menu and so we did not we we could not use the menu that was in storyline because you would see the whole structure and i didn't like that idea and i i was sure that even the client would not like that so we did not use any of the storyline's typical navigation things um so the menu is a separate slide you know some somewhere outside of all those scenes um and menu is accessed through the player what are those called on top you, you know typical player storyline player buttons that that you set on top yeah yeah i don't know what those are called i mean they're yeah menu items Me, i'm not sure yeah Let, let's call them menu is that items. right okay <laughs> i I, th- I, th- I think that that makes ding. sense <laughs> was it a ding okay oh, okay it says <laughs> player tabs so i use the top bar right you know so up and on the right when you have items um so uh, what i did i created a a new menu item called menu and what it does is just a light box to the menu slide you know so this is easy, easily accessible from everywhere in the course mhm however on the menu slide i have we had layers for each language so once the slide opens it checked for the variable that was you know selected by the user on the first slide so you see oh okay is this japanese language oh it is let's display a japanese layer and then you have a you know custom menu that is uh, translated and the menu only links you know to a few chapters in the course so it's not each slide because it doesn't it didn't make sense so we just chose chapters that were sort of part of the whole content structure um yeah so this is the menu so we had to create to you know 12 layers and uh, translate each one according to the chapter they were linking to that makes sense that makes perfect sense and then uh when i saw that this menu thing will work i uh, came across a problem and then i learned something <laughs> uh the problem was when i linked to a slide you know from the menu and then i you know i go and test da 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 i click the link and can you guess what happened what happened well it's too early for me to guess <laughs> uh well i jumped to the correct slide however i'm still in lightbox which is no good <laughs> all right yeah uh <laughs> so i was lucky to discover that um you can actually 
have a command close slide box, so close light box, and then you have a command jump to slide. So I was afraid that the command close light box will happen, you know, instantly, and it won't even come to the jump to part. Mm, right. So trigger. Uh, however, this all works. So you have to, you, you need two triggers. You close the light box first, and then you jump to the slide, and it's all good. So I was so happy that that worked because <laughs> otherwise I'm not exactly sure what I would have done. So yeah, that was a nice, nice learning item right there. Um, similar thing. Then the other uh, universal thing was the the help menu, which is more or less the same as as the the this menu I explained just now. So it it jumps to it jumps to jumps to a slide, shows the correct layer according to the language, and it's just just some navigation menu items are there. Um, that that's you know nothing nothing special. Ah, another thing I had that was also universal, but it was just in one of the courses. It was a glossary. Yeah, and this one was, like menu, a bit tricky because uh, glossary is a slide with a bunch of terms uh, in text boxes, and when you click on it, a layer opens with the explanation. So, um, you know, this is nothing special. However... I am running this again in a light box. So, you know, I'm already on a slide and when you click a part of the slide, a, uh, an explanation opens in a layer. Uh, so I, at that point I had a problem. It's like, okay, so I, I you know, I already used the layers. I cannot use layers again for different languages because it's all part of this interaction of using the glossary. So... Um, does that make sense? What's the problem? What the problem was? Yeah, that makes sense. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Okay. So I was thinking, okay, then I sort of have to create a branch to jump the correct language before I display the, the, you know, the glossary itself. So the simple, the simple solution was I link to a slide called, you know, glossary lightbox, which is an empty slide. It's nothing on it. It's white. It's, Super blank, you know, it's like homeopathy. Um, <laughs> and then what I did, I just checked which language was selected. And at that point, just jump to slide with the correct language glossary when timeline starts. So basically, you know, you have, you have this, you know, one frame when you see white and then it jumps to the correct slide and then it, is, it's, it displays the, uh, the correct glossary. So... It's just one slide is beforehand, and then it just jumps to the correct one uh, because I could not use layers anymore because the whole thing was in part was in layers and uh, already. So yeah, that that was a nice solution. It all worked fine. So glossary was solved, mm -hmm. and then we slowly come to the slide. So each slide, um, you know, I think you can you can really think things through, but. Once you go really through the process of everything, uh, a process of the you know creating a course like that, there are a bunch of little things that you missed because it, it's just nothing beats practice. And we, after the first course, we quickly learned that okay, we need bigger text boxes because uh, you know I, I designed the English course and it was all nice and super duper. You know, and then you go to a, an, an Indian language, for example, which has a huge font and everything is twice as long. And, mm -hmm. and then at that point, you know, design started, uh, you know, breaking and we had to resize boxes and so on. So in the next course, I quickly started creating bigger boxes with much more space around it in the English version. So it was really ready and luckily nothing changed once you pasted in the other languages. Yeah, that was a big learning point. So is that uh, for people that are translating multiple languages, what what was what were the languages that were the, I don't want to say worst common denominator, because I don't mean like, like any language is bad, but like which one caused the most problems? I, I can give you that answer in my sleep. It was Tamil. So Indian language, Tamil, and it's really, it has such big characters. 
and it's like you double the size you need, um, more or less. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, so, so I guess it's in development. I guess if you can know which language is possibly going to be the have the most, uh, you know, longest mm-hmm. words and biggest words and whatever, if you can start there, that probably could save some time overall. Yeah, that's true. That's true. You could. Uh... I mean, it's hard to design with a language you have no idea what it means. Uh, but at least, you know, once in a while, perhaps you can, you know, make a copy paste of a text box that's, that's that's in the language with the, you know, that needs the biggest space, and you just try it and you see if it still fits. Uh, that's something I would be careful about in the future. Yeah, definitely. And it, could I ask? Did you? I don't know if you were going to talk about this later, but did you? have to import a bunch of fonts to manage the different languages? I don't think so. I I think everything worked. So no, no. I don't think there was anything special. Hmm. I've I've run into that before where a, a certain language like the characters were kind of grouped funny, you know, like too mm-hmm. close together or something it was because of the font that I had. Um, just didn't know if you'd run into anything like that. Uh, well, there were some problems. <laughs> but basically, I, I'm pretty sure we did not import any special uh, fonts. I mean, we did once, but then it turned out that we don't need any more, so we stopped doing that. And I don't know, the first one was really a you know, learning curve, and then it went smoothly. But I know that the, the new font that we used that we used for solving a problem uh, was not used late in the later courses. So basically, no. Oh, that's great. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I agree. Okay, so on the slide, another thing that was quite important was animations and syncing the audio because you, you can't really sync an uh, audio you don't understand. <laughs> <laughs> So our our in the first in the first course, you know, we just um, we created a spreadsheet with every object that needs to come on the slide, and then the the, the well the translation part of the team after they saw the English one they and and we we added so we change we created an English one we added the switched the audio to the native audio of of another language. And then they checked the course. So they knew which objects had to come on screen. You know, they actually saw them. And then they just wrote the new timings for us. You know, so, you know, box one at 11 seconds, box 13, you know, at 14 seconds or 14 and a half. So that was the spreadsheet we used. Um, and in the storyline, we, you know, we, we just moved the, in timeline, we moved all the boxes and according to that uh, timings. And that's quite, you know, uh, tedious process um, for for all involved. Uh, so later, I don't know if I, I think I, I came up with another solution which sped up the process, and that was that we stopped using timeline in the timeline, you know, moving the timeline objects, moving objects in the timeline, and we and we started creating cue points. So, you know, we had a cue point one, two, three, four, and uh, all the objects were hidden. And then we changed and we added triggers, changed the state of the object to normal when timeline reaches cue point one. So each object was sort of related to a cue point, And then we just copied that in the spreadsheet. So cue uh, point number one, object this, cue point number two, object this. And then it was really easy for us to switch and change the timings once the timings came in because we just move we just go and move the cue points you know we don't need to search through the through, through the timeline and move the object and something and which is sort of annoying you just you know move the cue point 1 to the correct position cue point 2 and doing it like that i mean a slide with you know 10 15 cue points can be done you know in a minute yeah that's that's great that's that's a Great way to do it. Yeah, we we it, it's worth the investment at the beginning because uh, I was still designing the old, I mean the old-fashioned way with the timeline. But once you know, once the English version was confirmed, 
we switched everything to cue points and created the triggers. And also, a cue point ha- can help you with uh, if something goes off screen and then something new appears, that that thing, that uh, disappearance and appearance, you can hook all of that in, in one cue point. You know, you don't need two of them. So we actually had less work with the spreadsheet because we didn't, we didn't, we didn't need timings for when thing one is supposed to disappear because we just need the timings for when thing two is going to appear, you know, because we, we mm, can yeah, all, right. you can hook it all to a one, one cue point. So that was a great solution and it's really sped up the process. Yeah, another another thing was that we also learned is that, um, you know, Storyline doesn't he- really have a timer anywhere. So it was difficult for the translation guys to write all of the timings. This more or less needed a stopwatch, you know. And then using the, you know, looping animations trick, I created a timer on screen, you know. It was a layer in a master slide that opened at the beginning of the slide. And it started counting. So as soon as they, you know, maybe heard a word that it should be a part that should be tied to a timer, they just paused and they just wrote that timing down. And that really also sped up. They said, they told us that it's much easier to to do it now. So I think that was, I don't know, halfway through the whole thing that we learned that having a timer on screen helps a lot. Yeah, that's great. I mean, that's so commonly used in video production and then (laughs) yeah of course there's such a timeline aspect of of storyline and yeah to be able to flip on a little timer to know what's going on is certainly helpful it's a good idea and it's also you know easy to add you know you you need just one layer in a master slide easy to remove you just you know delete the layer maybe delete the trigger and you're done so it's was you know once i learned the the looping animation trick it was no sweat let let's jump to the quiz now and then i'll go back and explain some of the problems that we were having uh so yeah the quiz the quiz was also a challenge uh, again a great learning curve for me so uh the thing was we needed to have one quiz and one result slide otherwise you know if we would have pl- many when you export, you can select that uh, Storyline reports only one of the results. You know, you cannot say, ah, please <laughs> report all of these. You can just select one. So I knew at the, from the start that we needed to have, need to have just one um, result slide. Okay, which, which basically meant, you know, that we need just one quiz. So every slide in the quiz includes all of the languages um, which was done through not through variables or something like that but uh, through states so the question at the top or let's say the first question in the quiz has states for each language so we created the states and then you know pasted the language in each state pasted the translation in each state and uh, when timeline starts of this slide change the text to the appropriate state selected on the language. And similar thing was done with the... So it was ABC questions because we, we could not afford to have it more complex. And it was a custom. Um, so I created a custom uh, ABC, so not storyline typical, you know, with those... Uh, what are those... Um, radio buttons and check marks, but it was totally custom. And again, we have many states for each language, but uh, I saw that the biggest challenge here was how do you have many, basically different states, you know, different states in terms of languages because it's a different content, but you have to, but you only, but you, <laughs> but you can only have one selected state, you know? In Storyline, you you cannot have selected state, you know, for each of the many states you have. It's just one per object. Mm -hmm. So I was really afraid that that, uh, once you switch the state, you know, to French, will selected state even work? I mean, will it switch the translation from French 
than to English? What's going to happen here? Uh, but basically, everything is fine, but you have to be very careful. You know, because in when you work in the States, some of the some of the you know properties of the states are sort of grandfathered in from the normal state and then depends on on how much you manipulate it later it's it doesn't um take the yeah i mean basically when you the very first the the, the original object if you affect that it can affect potentially all the other states if you're not careful yes yeah the 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 properties that the original object has then are sort of passed on to the other states when you when you create them when you when you you know you know you copy the normal state you create another one and it has you know the same color and the same font type as long as you don't change it you know as long as it's the same then it's going to take those properties from the normal state and when I, of course, I, I use the normal state here for the English version. And then I copied and created the selected state. And, but this was, you know, here I'm looking at the true-false answer. And it still says true, uh, but, it's, but the color of the box is different. Um, so ev everything is the same, but the color is blue because it's selected. So I was afraid that if I have a state, you know, French, which says something else, what's going to happen when is, is this selected? Is this going to say now true or is it going to stay in French? And I was lucky to discover that uh, it, it stayed in French. It was all good because all I did with the selected state was change the color of the box. You you should, I'm, I'm even afraid of clicking in it to, to see the <laughs> cursor, you know. Don't, mm -hmm. just don't touch the text, otherwise it will be stuck there. I know this was a bit complicated, but, you know, when you have the selected state, just change the few, few parameters of the, like, colors and borders. Uh, just leave the, <laughs> leave the text alone, and it all worked great. So set it, set it and forget it. Yes. Yeah, so basically, in the quiz, every object has many, many states, and all of them change uh, on start. And you probably mentioned this, but I, I can't remember. D how many uh, questions were there? Uh, depends on the course, but up to 10, 12. Uh-huh. So many copy and pasting, yeah. Yeah. And just a tip, if, if you have a sim similar situation and uh, you need to create many, you know, many quiz questions... It's the best to start and, and create a big, big a question with many, many answers. So as much as you can squeeze on, on the slide. And then when you make duplicates, just delete the, the answers you don't need. And you just use the maybe ABC or ABCD, and, but you create them up to GH or something like that. So you're already, everything works. You just need to copy paste as much as you need. And uh, that's... That worked fine. Um, and also feedback correcting correct. This was all, again, in 12 versions in 12 states. However, in the master feedback slide, feedback master slide. So everything was done there. And it was really nice if we had a mistake. You know, I had to correct it just one. I, I did not have to correct it on each, each slide, which saves a lot of, you know, um, time and nerves. Yeah, and then I also, yeah, then we have the, the then just the result slide, which, you know, has all these elements like, you know, review quiz, retry quiz. And again, 12 versions, 12 states of each object, and then just change it once it's, it's opened. Um, so, yeah, that was the solution for the quiz, and it works, it works fine. Great. That's, uh, <laughs> that's, that's a lot of work. That's a lot of work to get that, uh, yeah, working. <laughs> but although I bet if uh, I bet if you, you the next time you do it, you know how much more quickly you can put something like that together. Oh, uh, much faster! I'm so really confident now of, with creating a course that has many languages. Really. Oh yeah, yeah. Just one more thing. Uh, there was a really interesting one, which is you know you might forget about it once you publish, but. 
uh, you know, there were a few because um, there were a few courses that did not have the quiz, which means that you're not reporting the quiz, but you're reporting if uh, the course is complete. However, course is complete once a number of of slides are viewed. However, uh, storyline always sets that to the all number of the all slides, right? The summary of what's the what's right. the total number of the slides, which means that you cannot use that number because it's like I don't know two hundred. Um, so you have to more or less count what how what is what what are the minimum slides for the one language, you know, and then use that number. <laughs> Otherwise, no one will be able to finish. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry, you wanted to ask something? Yeah, just when when you started off the course, I, I and I assume this is what you did, but you did English first, and did you get that kind of fully approved first so that you wouldn't have to worry about, I mean, it would be a scope change basically, but if something came up later, you know, that kind of confirmed that there'll be no changes that you have to kind of work all the way throughout once you are in development of all the languages, is that right? Yes, sir. That that's exactly. It is imperative that uh, English one is like one hundred percent confirmed, or just the original one you're working with. Otherwise, yeah. you know, you have a uh, number of languages. You have times <laughs> right. number of languages to create fixes for. Yeah, it becomes a huge multiplier. Oh yeah, yeah, and maybe there was an instance or two, but you know, just a small thing. Maybe we changed the picture or something. But more or less, it did not happen because, yeah, we were very strict with the process because it was otherwise it's just too 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 much too much. And, and with storyline, as you know, the the uh, publishing the file can take longer and longer as oh, yes. you put more into it. Oh yes. Um, as you needed to review things, um, were there any? issues with that just from a timing like i'm going to output this course and check it but it you know <laughs> it takes two hours to do that were there any problems with that yes there were <laughs> uh i think the biggest one is like 900 megabytes storyline file and exporting takes i think up to, up to half an hour at 20 minutes at least i think and there was a problem with the first course that I was exporting it and uh, Storyline n- not crashed, but um, I don't know. I think Storyline and Content, uh, and Content an error, blah, blah, blah. Well, it, it just crashed while it, while it was exporting, which was very first frustrating, when, you know, if you have to deliver the course in the afternoon or something. <laughs> right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, really. I mean, it's it's times like that. And so at that point, I sent the course to my partner I was I was working with, and he tried to export it, and he managed to export it. Uh, however, when I was testing it, the HTML5 version didn't work. It just didn't load. It just had a spinner, but the Flash version worked. So it was really something weird, and I mm. I contacted Articulate, and we had some email exchanges, and I was uh, very uh, I wanted them to you know connect to my computer and just check for themselves or just see what's happening because um, we were not sure if it's my computer, if it's uh, RAM or something else. It was really weird, and even even yeah even. I think even, yeah, even Articulate guys exported the course for me three times, I'm pretty sure, because I couldn't. Uh, but this was really annoying, you know, you, you just you waste so much time in sending stuff around and it's a big file and so on, and it takes like 24 hours to get the exported one back. Yeah, and then finally, finally, someone connected to my computer and they were searching for if there's... They said that usually this happens if a slide is corrupted, then the whole thing does not export successfully. And at that point, it sort of also clicked for me that, yeah, actually there was one slide that uh, it happened when we were working with the Indian languages that M- Maya, that she was working with the translations. Mm-hmm. You know, she pasted a text or something, then she clicked on an object and the whole slide 
went blank and had a huge red <laughs> X on it. You know? Oh, I, I've seen that. Yeah. yeah. I'm, I'm sure it's it like did. It's like it ran yeah. out of RAM or some crazy thing happened. Yeah. Yeah. And so, but I, at that point, I totally, we, you know, we just left that slide alone. I said, just leave it. We, we, we have to continue working. There's a deadline. Everything's crazy. And when I was publishing, I totally forgot that there was a problem with the slide. So the, 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 then I saw that the lesson here is that you, you try, if you have a problem publishing, you try to preview each scene. And then, you know, he tried to pre preview each scene and saw where the preview failed. So then he tried to preview each slide. And of course, this slide was the last slide in the scene. And we finally come to it and uh, see that this slide is corrupted. I, and then I think he just deleted the, deleted the slide, tried to export, and it works. So, hmm. okay, that's the problem. So we learned that um, that definitely was an issue. And also they mentioned that because it's a big course, it's good to have more RAM. And at that point, I also upped the RAM because I run it in a virtual machine. I upped it, uh, RAM it up to from four gig to eight gig. And I also asked them, but how can it be more than four gig if Storyline is 32 bit, uh, you know, support only? Uh, and then they said that actually the publishing process works in four, four, 64 bit. So that <laughs> RAM actually is important at that point. So, yeah, that was great. We solved that one, and then I could publish by myself. And, you know, first few times that I did it, it was, it was like magic, you know. Whoa, I can publish. Look at this. Um, yeah, that was not nice, but we, we solved that one, so all the following courses were great. Uh, so, yeah, that was the problem that we had on some languages. Maya, Maya noticed when she pasted, you know, she copied from Word and pasted it in Storyline. We saw that the problem sometimes can also be that you have a font that is, you know, like really different, like Tamil, and then you have a number one in, you know, in our, how can I say, in, in our font, you know, because they use, they use numbers as we use them, the same numbers. So it was mm -hmm. like two different fonts, you know, the, num the, the, the number and then the, the Indian language. And If she copied that like together uh, from Word, and, and the second it was pasted in Storyline, that slide crashed. Uh, so it, we sort of learned that you just copy separately, copy the 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 translated language, and then add those numbers, you know, by hand, or maybe copy them later. But copying them together caused the problem like 90% of the time. Hmm. Yeah, that. So, but at least you know we were we were able to pinpoint the problem. Otherwise, you have no idea what's going on. So, we knew how to work around it. So, uh, so always always give yourself a little extra time then to uh, when you have to, yeah, do localization or translation. Yeah, especially with this, uh, you know, totally unknown uh, languages that have very different fonts. You come, you may have a problem there. Then let's see what I what else we had. Yeah, the the font problems we also had in Notes tab, uh, especially not not the notes itself, but the title of the slide. You know, it's written above the notes. You know, in, in Storyline. You know what I mean? On the left. Uh -huh. Yeah. So title mm -hmm. of the slide is written there, and of course, in some of the languages that. You, you you don't have much control there because it's all part of the storyline player yeah. and you can just set one language, one font there. So some of them just didn't work or it was just, you know, some garbage or just squares, brackets, just it didn't work. So, uh, you know, we just used the workaround. We, we set the slide to have a blank name which you create just by using one space and then we... In the notes, we wrote the title of the slide and make it bold and then have another paragraph where all the other text is. So, you know, just put it down in, in uh, uh, a line, you know, so the notes is under the line that it would usually be. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, yeah so, and we've run into that too. It's a lot of times we don't use the the title they have in there because, yeah, you just, you wish you had a little bit more control yeah. over it. 
So yeah, we just used empty and wrote it in the in notes tab in, in notes itself, and then it worked fine. Hmm, nice. Yeah, sometimes you just have to find a workaround. Otherwise, you're just gonna you know bang your head against the wall indefinitely. Another thing it was I, which was sort of my mistake. Um, but when I was creating variables for language, because I didn't have. I had a variable language, but it was a text variable. So I just, you know, I wrote the text, English, French, Tamil, uh, German. And that's all nice. I mean, I didn't want to use numbers because then you would have to remember the number and it's easier just to have the Mm. text. Mm -hmm. Um, At that point, I also learned how to spell Portuguese because I was misspelling it. (laughs) And then it didn't work, you know. Why aren't the translations working? Yeah, of course, wrong <laughs> variable. Um, but I, 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 I made a stupid mistake because I, when I was writing the variables itself, I sort of didn't want to them to have the lower caps. So I put the the first letter was um, the big one, you know. Mm-hmm. So French, uppercase. English, yeah, uppercase. Yeah, thank you. Uh, which bite me in the ass later when I created, you know, triggers and so on, and I used the small one. Uh, oh, yeah. <laughs> and and I, so my tip is either use everything with small caps or use the trigger that ignores the caps. And, you know, then you're all set. Because um, this was really, I this, <laughs> this was not cool. <laughs> but um, after the first one, we we got it working, yeah. Hmm. So be careful there. Yeah, that's that's more or less it. That's all my notes. Yeah, I mean it was it's quite big. There's a lot of work, but you know once you once you nail down the process and all all the little details, that then it's all fine. But I would I would but like you said, like um, try try to create you know maybe a small version of the course just to test everything and then go with the big one because you know when you're working with 50 70 slides it's really not it's really not nice to fix so many if there's something goes wrong yeah and like we've said before you know there's a lot of complexity in making something seem simple so you know you've spent all that time and energy and to the learner it'll just feel like they're going through their yeah their localized course, which is perfect. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I think it's, it's uh, they they have a totally seamless, you know, experience. Just select the language, go through the course, have the quiz, and you know, that's it. <laughs> Seems so simple. <laughs> <laughs> you just put the other language in, you're, and yeah, done. Yeah, no, just copy paste. Yeah, sure. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so I, I think the biggest the biggest one was quiz for me because at the start, you know, you're not quite sure. And then with the select state, I was not quite sure how is this going to work? Uh, you know, is is is, this, is everything going to turn to English or not? But uh, yeah, I was happily surprised. It works fine, yeah. Although when you look at the state, it's it's in English, but it switches to, to the other one. It just changes the color. It's very nice. Yep, auto-magically. Yes, we like that word. Uh, I think that on that happy note, we can wrap it up. Yeah, we we managed to go through episode 13. No big hiccups. (laughs) I have a feeling now all the files will just delete themselves or something. Right. Yeah. Yeah, lucky 13. I I do hear my uh, one of our smoke detectors is chirping, so the the battery is down and the cat just ran down here and is all... (laughs) <laughs> huddled up so so I don't know what's going on above me hopefully 13 didn't cause some problems yeah I hope so too Dave we need to record 14 too <laughs> <laughs> we should have done all the other episodes and done 13 last yeah damn yeah okay so uh, let's wrap it up Dave please tell us where can people find you uh, people can find me at illumingroup.com for custom e-learning or elearninglocker.com for templates. And I've got a lot of videos uh, where I cover a lot of the kind of the visual stuff we're talking about here. Um, and I'm on Twitter uh, from time to time when I can at uh, Dave underscore Charney, C-H-A-R-N-E-Y. And how about you, Nate? It's where can people uh, connect with you? You can connect with me on Twitter at N-E-J-C-D. Or you can contact me through elearningbrewery.com 
you know, you can contact me for help with your storyline project. Maybe you need to localize something. Wink, wink. <laughs> and uh, or even help uh, with storyline itself. Take care, everyone, and uh, talk to you next week. Yep. Take care, everyone, and happy learning. <laughs> <laughs>